Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 413. It's just a wonderful industry, and there's, there's room for everyone. And uh, look forward to, uh, to continuing this ride for years to come. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Charlie Vogelheim. Charlie, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hey, Mark, I got a five-point harness now. I can't reach the wheel. It's on too tight, so you might have to steer a little bit. But you know, the, the problem with those sometimes is not being able to reach the stereo knob. That's what most people say. <laughs> I'll keep the music off. Yeah, we'll keep the music off. I'll try to keep the car within the lines for you today so you don't need that five-point harness. Charlie Vogelheim has 30 years of automotive industry experience, including roles as VP at the J.D. Power and as executive editor at both Kelly Blue Book and Motor Trend Auto Group. He's the principal of Vogelheim Ventures, through which he's involved in a variety of initiatives, including Motor Trend Audio, TPC Management, Driving Sales, Ryan Tech, and Web Cars China. Charlie, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, you know what? And in, in you said industry, and, and that's kind of the right way to do it. I've been a very grateful observer of this automotive industry for three decades now, and it's, it's been a blast. I started my career at Kelly Blue Book. I became the executive editor, went through some pretty wild times there in terms of the information superhighway, that worldwide web that we hear about every now and then, <laughs> putting them on the web. I got a chance then to get hired away by Dave Power and working at J.D. Power & Associates. And the fun thing about that was essentially two family businesses in Southern California. I'm working for Bob Kelly at Kelly Blue Book, and I'm working for Dave Power at J.D. Power, which gave me the opportunity to travel the world and uh, you know see the different auto shows and manufacturing and things like that. You mentioned Web Cars China. I've had some 10 years experience uh, with uh, the Chinese automotive industry. And uh, again, uh, doing some work on the side, and, and a passion really is doing a weekly podcast for Motor Trend, as we uh, tagline it, uh, Celebrating Cars Through Conversation. It gives me a chance to talk to fun and interesting people like Mark Green. <laughs> well, I'm really lucky to be talking to a fellow podcaster here who has way more experience than me, so I'm counting on learning a few things from you here, from the master, if you will, so that uh, I can try to improve my game, improve my drive down the road. But I do appreciate you being here and, and sharing some time with me. You guys produce a great show, and uh, you're doing an awesome job there. 
Well, I appreciate that. Testing one, two, three. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in informing your life and your success, and it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Charlie, I usually say take the wheel. I'll say take the mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's so funny about that is I was thinking about it when you, when you asked that originally, and I, I go back to a college roommate. I wanted to pursue a career in aviation. I've always loved travel. I've loved. Uh, my mom was a Pan American flight attendant and regaled us in stories uh, around the Pacific and in uh, Asia that she uh, was kind of a little bit of a, an early explorer pioneer, if you will, in travel in that area. Although it was in the in the 50s, uh, things had just opened up after the war. And to a certain extent, uh, he said to me, he says, "Oh, don't do what you like." Because then it'll just become a job and you won't like it anymore. Uh, and <laughs> kind, I thought, kind of the opposite. Second. Yeah, the opposite That's of what kind everybody of else logic. <laughs> So I'd like to say turning that quote around is more around, and I know there's, a, there's some actual quotes around it, but do what you love to do, and then it really isn't a job. And, uh, and, and don't do it for the money. Do it for the passion. And uh, it's, it's been a, a great ride because of that. You know, I've heard that from a lot of folks, and I, I think it was originally attributed to Henry Ford. At least I hope it was. Yeah. Uh, that whole concept, but absolutely true. But, you know, I've heard that from others is, you know, if you love cars and you start working in an industry, you're going to hate cars. But I haven't met one guest so far. And, you know, you're my 413th guest who has said that is true. So I'm convinced find your passion, find a way to earn a living in it or to do it and your life will be great. So it really races by in that regard, uh, good or bad. Uh, it's just uh, like you say, you're not looking at the clock. You're not looking at the, the calendar. You're just, you know, again, there's so much going on in this industry. Mm -hmm. Innovation, change, engineering, design. It's fantastic. It really is. And for someone like me, I love talking to people and learning about their careers, learning about their cars. So every morning I get up and go, who do I get to talk to today? And today it's Charlie. So I'm very fortunate. Back to bed. And then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hope the alarm oh, doesn't yeah. go off. Well, maybe tomorrow will bring something interesting. Uh, I think we're going to have some fun. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion? Is there a pivotal moment in your life as you remember it when you really realized that Charlie was a car guy? Well, it's so funny when you say that. I, I don't necessarily describe myself as a car guy, but, but more of an industry guy about all of that. But I, I do go back to the time. I mean, growing up, I had that HO kit. I had uh, a pit uh, box that I had all of my parts in, changing out bodies, changing out. It was all about going faster. I think really more than anything, it was about motion that I was attracted to. I always loved it. I, things that moved and things that went quicker. I, you know, I was a bike rider at an early age. I was blessed to grow up on the shoulder of Mount Tam and we did a thing we called clunker bike riding down the side of the hill and turned into a couple of our buddies turned it into a career in an industry called mountain biking but uh, you know, whether it was riding a bike I, I tried hang gliding when it first came out wanted to pursue a career in aviation I loved anything that flew and so it was about this this whole thing around motion I think that was really what attracted to me and, and, and certainly continues to interest me uh, everything in the auto industry. Very cool I love it. Charlie, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way. We learned so much from these things. And the important part of this is how did you overcome your particular situation and what did it teach you? Well, you know, so thinking about the failures, I have to go through them all and then pick the funnest one, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, I made a big career change. Uh, I came out of school, and like I say, pursuing a career in aviation and, and realized at that moment in time that I wasn't going to be able to, to live the life that I wanted to 
there was a lot of competition, uh, post-military pilots versus somebody like me that was trying to do it on their own and uh, wanted to start a family and, and do some other things, but uh, was able to settle down, decided to just take a, a job for a, a couple years at Kelly Blue Book. They needed some help, and, and uh, I wasn't anxious to live in and around the Los Angeles area and thought I would just help, and we kind of put a two-year block on it and just got sucked right in so it was uh it was to help somebody out and then 20 years later i'm i'm getting hired away by by dave power wow well you know it's really interesting i mean we all know kelly blue book i mean all the days you and i are probably somewhat similar in age bracket here in those days of the little kelly blue book we carry 24. around 24 yeah we're both 24 <laughs> yeah going on 28 maybe maybe a little more yeah dog years i think those are yeah. dog years but uh you know it, it's pretty interesting and and it's important for the listeners too that when you go to work somewhere, listen to what Charlie says. It can happen, and all of a sudden, five years goes by, ten years, twenty years, and you go, "Whoa, how did that happen?" So, uh, yeah, pick your poison carefully because you may be drinking it for a long time. But you guys did a great job there. You know, it's such a such a great thing for us car folks to have the reliability of well, what's our car really worth, and uh, what's the value. So, great kudos to you. Great job. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, you know, it, it was a real challenge. And, and again, anyone that, that that's heard you say that certainly appreciates the information that, that somebody, that Kelly Blue Book, which is, of course, now referred to as KBB online. But to the extent that, wow, you didn't get it right a lot of times. I had this car and it, you said it was worth this and it was only worth that. It, that, to me, is, is the bigger challenge is how do you provide the correct information mm, yeah. to the individual for this specific car. Yeah, and you know, in this day and age, especially with collector cars, the values, the way they're rising is, oh it seems God. like it's it's almost more important than the actual car itself of people saying, what's your car worth? And it's like, well, why don't you ask me what it's like to drive? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, who, who cares? You I know? can't drive, but it's worth too much. <laughs> yeah. what well, about? I've got one of those in my garage, and I hate to say that. It's like I'm, I'm afraid to take it out with the people on the roads these days texting and talking and not paying attention that uh, I get crunched. But anyway, you did a great job at Kelly. I love that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment, a pivot, a change, a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for that new idea that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Well, I got to say, it was just kind of we already talked about it in that it's not about the book. Uh, you know, I joined this company and there's some great people there that that had automotive backgrounds. So it was about the cars. It was about the models. It was about all these other things. But and it, it was published. So, there were you know, some people had a publishing mentality. I was looking beyond all that and, and realized it wasn't about the book. It's about the information. It's about getting that information to people in the way that makes the most sense. We kind of already alluded to that. Just seeing a number in a book, it wasn't necessarily serving everyone's needs. And, and for crying out loud, I mean, you print a book six times a year, get every car that's built in the last seven years listed in that particular one. Certainly you have older cars and even collector cars. But to say that that covers everything, that simply, no, that doesn't. And, and so what can we do to provide more information, more complete information? Uh, this is at a time that the PC, the personal computer, was coming along. Mm -hmm. And then uh, again, uh, after that, uh, 10 years into it, the Internet rolls down the street. And uh, it was amazing. I convinced these guys to, to get on the, the Internet train, as I called it, as it was going through town. And it doesn't seem that uh, remarkable today. But when you think about the details of, of being a book publisher and all of your information is there and it's provided to the industry. Oh, by the way. Yeah. And some knuckleheads walking in the door saying, hey, we should provide this to consumers 
for free. Okay, so how long have we had this guy around? <laughs> yeah. Where should he really be working? And, it, it, you know, again, there was obviously a deeper and, and more thoughtful conversations that went into it. But at the time, anybody else that was involved in that business was not going to get involved in the Internet. And it certainly proved to be, again, it, more than the Internet, more than Kelly Blue Book, it was this age of information. We were all learning more about all sorts of things uh, at that time. And it was a time of consumerism. And it was very interesting. But when you think about consumerism, can't not think about cars. Number yeah. one, most expensive consumer item, most complex. Oh, yeah. So it rolls right into it. Yeah, really incredible. How about proudest moments? I would assume you've had many in your career over all the different things you've done. But is there one in particular you could share with us? You know what? I, I've got one that was really fun. Uh, I, I was a, a scoutmaster for a number of years and got involved in, in, in helping raise money and get uh, the scouts involved. You know, one of the first uh, automotive moments that I think a lot of us have is the Pinewood Derby. If you're involved in Cub Scouts at all, you know you're supposed to carve this uh, this little car. And I remember my first time, maybe that was my failure. I didn't mention I could spend all this time, you know, making a, a B-shaped car, put a little stinger on it and the, with, with a toothpick, put it in, put it on the course, some big burly scout guy puts it on the racetrack ah, you lost you're done i'm going that's it that's all it over. it's all over <laughs> but it had strong memories and so we got involved uh over time with uh, raising money through the auto industry you know the dealers and, and oems do a lot of great things for charities we wanted to try and and, and exemplify that and, and show that well it, it came to pass it it was associated with the orange county auto show we decided to have a pinewood derby sort of looking into the history oh my gosh the guy that created the Pinewood Derby was in Southern California. His name was Don Murphy. He was a Cub Master, and his boys couldn't get involved in the Soapbox Derby because that was for older kids. That's mm. where you, you know, again, sit in the car and go down on gravity. Right. And so he said, well, let's make this Pinewood Derby something they carve and they can race, and it can be for the younger kids to get involved. And, hey, it's all around cars and speed and racing, for crying out loud. So um, sure enough, he's still alive, and I, I checked the dates. It's the 50th anniversary of the original Pinewood Derby, and we got him, and we got him together. We had this uh, featured him as our guest at this luncheon with the auto industry in Orange County. As you know, there's a number of design shops in and around Southern California and the art school and uh, art center and, and, and other things, and we had each of them design their a version of a Pinewood Derby car. We had this beautiful black Lincoln come out of the Lincoln shop. We had Hyundai, Kia, Volvo, Toyota, all of these people design these cars and we celebrated uh, the 50th anniversary of the Pinewood Derby uh, with this great display of designer Pinewood Derby cars and uh, and a toast to Don Murphy that started it all. Wow, that was pretty- it's really cool, <laughs> really cool. I mean, think of how many kids' lives that has affected in so many different ways from confidence building to, hey, maybe I could be a car designer or work in the car industry. So, Well, the, the cool thing about it too, Mark, is you talk about collector cars. We had... Four of the guys from the original Pinewood Derby race brought their cars, and they still had them. No so we had way. cars from the original Pinewood Derby race, and so that was pretty fun. That is awesome. Wow. Very cool. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Talk a little bit about your first really special car. The first special car I, I spent time with was a Carmen Ghia, but it was my brother's, and, and, and he had it, and uh, he was gone for a year, and I ended up taking it up to school. Um, and gotten all sorts of mischief with it. It was a, uh, <laughs> it was a, just a lot of fun. I had a couple of oversized speakers in the back that you could put up on the roof and play music until the battery died. And uh, it's just a, the, the right amount of car to get in, in not too much trouble with. But uh, 
Yeah. The first one I owned is, is kind of the, the one I'm most fond of, Saab, and it was a 64 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser that I ended up buying from my parents. Oh, my gosh. In, uh, when it was already 14 years old, and the odometer didn't work, and the, the gas gauge didn't work, and a lot of the instrumentation didn't work. couldn't lock it. Uh, you didn't need a key to start it. <laughs> so I took that to college my senior year, and it became kind of a, a mascot for those that knew me and that anybody could go into the car at any time because the doors didn't lock and you didn't need a key so they just started up and drive it around <laughs> the problem was you never knew how much gas was it i mean there, there was twice when you knew when how much gas you had when it was full and when it was empty right. but any time in between it was a little bit of a guesswork you're kind of guesstimating how much you drove it but since everyone else drove it you never really knew and and inevitably you know you had the gas can in the back you were you were walking somewhere to to get just a little bit more juice in it and uh, oh just, my gosh. it was a fun car and, and one that I, I got to just tell you, I gave away in the end. I, I was at a gas station in Boise, Idaho. I was moving down to California and this guy walks up to me. He goes, hey, wow, that's a great car. I could put my kids in that and they wouldn't get wet on the way to, to church. I go, what are you talking about? So while we got to pick up, they, the kids ride in the back and, and uh, you know, if it's raining, they'll get wet. And I go, oh, for crying out loud. I said, I stopped putting gas in it. I think I had like $2.72 worth. I said, pay for the gas, give me a ride home, it's yours. And I, he did that, he gave me a ride home. I went in the house, got the pink slip, signed it off to his name. I said, keep the kids drive and, and, and get on with your life. And, oh, and, my uh, gosh. That's yeah. cr- that's wild. Well, you know, we share something here, Charlie, because my first special car, and anyone who's listened to Cars Yeah, show number 300 where my son Blake interviewed me, was my Carmagia when I was in high school. So I had a Carmagia. You had your brothers to play with. Love that car. It was my poor man's Porsche. And my parents, when I was real young, had two early 60s, mid-late 60s Oldsmobile Vista Cruisers. So. It came out in 64, so my gosh, it was it was nice. And a clean-looking car without without the roof rack on. I mean, it really had nice lines to it. Well, my sister and I love those, uh, our own little skylights up there above. Exactly, exactly. And we had our own visors, too, if I remember right. Yes, you did, on the middle ones. Yeah, and then you had the two down the side. I got to ask you on the Carmen Ghia, was it uh, had the nose been popped in yet? No, you know, I was very lucky. Bought it from the original owner. My mom helped me, uh, gave me a small loan that I paid her back. It was a 67, Uh and I had it for about a year. And, you know, actually, now that you brought back a memory, yes, my sister borrowed it and kind of popped the nose in. That's right. Well, that's just, there's two Carmageddon's out there, those that have had the nose popped in and those that will have the nose. I just remembered that, so, yeah. We had snows that went out farther than the bumper. I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, but we took that, my friend and I took that car apart, my friend Robert Schmidt, and we uh, rebuilt that thing, sprayed it, and uh, built a new engine. It, it was an awesome car. I really loved it. Nice. Great low car. Yeah. How about Seller's Remorse? Is there a car you let go that you really wish you had back in the garage? Well, I know you're going to love this because you are a big fan of this kind of car, and it would be the Mazda MPV minivan. Because <laughs> um, I know you're a huge minivan lover, so we go from... <laughs> Carmen Ghia to the Vista Cruiser. Now, let me tell you, the Mazda MPV, I, uh, when it very, very first came out, I bought one. Uh, I had a growing family. I had three kids. I liked it for a couple of reasons. I had a middle seat. All three kids could sit together. I'm not one of those guys that each kid gets their own row. So they either <laughs> sit together and get along or, or move to another family. But the, the next generation came out. I had a list of maybe 10 things that first one could improve on. And they did nine and a half of them. And we, we got this thing back in 95, and I had it for 20 years. I had it until just a couple months ago. And the reason I mention it is because 
it became there's so many memories when you have a family and and the car is such an important part of your family and your memories there's the road trips that we did and and, and each one of the kids learned to drive in that particular car and it had things that would come off like a door handle and things like that and i'd fix it <laughs> and then as one moved away they took it with them it went to college with one of them it went to, to one's first job in phoenix and they moved to portland then somebody took it up to tacoma in the in the shadow of your studios there <laughs> and then we, they brought it back down to california and somebody moved to wyoming and it's up in wyoming and uh they need a, a car that's all-wheel drive or, or not rear-wheel drive as the mazda mpv was and i brought it all the way home and it became kind of the hardware store that the truck that the go run errands with yeah. and if anybody ever needed, and this was an eight-passenger, you know, three, three, and two, wow. or two, three, and three if you're starting in the front. <laughs> it uh, it was there, and, and it ran, and I was keeping track of it, and it, and it finally just died. And and it, I've never had a car die under my watch. <laughs> it was Because so, my wife's going, it's about time we got rid of that thing. It was taking up a space in the drive. I'm going, yeah, but it, 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 never mind. And yeah. so, again, it was... Uh, it was just a, a, a grand member of the family, and uh, and we already miss it, and there you go. So deal with it. You first, know, that, and I hope under under seller's remorse. That is the first of that car under seller's remorse. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> hey, how about current projects? What are you working on today that really has you excited and fired up? Well, I got to tell you, this this industry is just on fire with a couple of things in the technology side. So I grew up in Northern California, I mentioned, and, and I've moved back recently. And I was bemoaning the fact that I'm leaving Southern California, where I've been for nearly 30 years with my career. Oh, my gosh, that you know, there's three places where things always are happening automotive. And it's in L.A. and it's in Detroit and it's in the New York area where the European manufacturers are headquartered in. And so all of a sudden I'm thinking San Francisco, I'll, I'll still touch and go to the Detroit Auto Show and the L.A. Auto Show. Oh my gosh, Silicon Valley is on fire with this connected car, autonomous car. Future of mobility is the best way to describe it. I'm deeply entrenched with that. I met with um, two startup companies yesterday before I hosted MC'd a Future of Mobility uh, with a meetup group on uh, the Silicon Valley autonomous car uh, open source. Mm. And the, the conversations around that can get very technical, very nerdy, but very futuristic and very thoughtful in terms of what and how are we going to handle mobility going forward. And it's it's amazing, Mark. And, and, and I think about some technology touches that I was fortunate to be involved in and whether it was, again, all about cars, but the, the Internet's relation to it uh, 20 years ago, uh, social media's relation to it 10 years ago, and now, uh, again, Silicon Valley and the Internet of Things relationship to it today. And, and I got to just say, because I, I do a podcast for Motor Trend and, and, and as an auto enthusiast, people say, well, how can you like any of this? And, and guess what? You know what? There's a transition afoot. And for those of us that love cars, we will continue to be able to love cars and have cars. You know, a couple hundred, I mean, sorry, just over 100 years ago, the horse was king. And, and, and when cars came into being, they said, well, what if you loved horses? Well, guess what? <laughs> people still love horses and they still have horses. So. Yeah. I think 100 years from now, people will still have cars and there will be places to drive them, whether it's a closed course, a road, or, or a track. But so many people use it just for transportation, just it's an appliance. And so those people shouldn't be driving. They're just <laughs> in the way. And think of that person that's in the left lane as you're trying to go down the road and they're just in your way and they're not really paying attention. They're trying to just get to work. 
let them do that in a way that uh, that's safe and and competent, and uh, and then we all benefit. Awesome. I love your uh, thoughtfulness on how you're looking at that. It does generate some uh, heated conversation amongst us uh, auto enthusiasts. But very well said. Sounds very very cool. Now here's a very introspective question for you, Charlie. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, and why? I think I'd be kind of an, an old, uh, well-used, uh, but not very well taken care of uh, Jeep Wrangler, you know, probably without a roof, or if I had one, it had long borne away, probably sitting outside uh, in some ranch, you know, maybe it's a ranch in Hawaii, that'd be a good place to have a ranch, Ooh, nice. but just that's bad, not great weather, but uh, something that, it, you know, had been been owned for the purpose uh, and, and used for the purpose. Nice. Um, not something that just, you know, somebody bought cause it was the, the car of the, the day or the, you know, the SUV or something, but, uh, yeah, no, I like that answer. That's why I like that question so much. Very well put. Yeah. Charlie's an old Jeep on an Island in Hawaii. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> pre- with the top <laughs> sounds pretty nice <laughs> to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Charlie up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah. Sponsor. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at carsyad.com slash sponsors. Okay, Charlie, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions at you. And I'm going to ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yep. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Change your oil. <laughs> yes, very important. Especially on those old Carmen Gias. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and then, then don't yeah, don't forget to look, check the radiator. Oh wait, there isn't one. No, but adjust the valves. That was the exactly. thing I was always doing. Yeah, and then, you know, I always I have to just add uh, the advice I always give with anyone that you know because I always get asked the question, what car should I buy? Which I do and things like that. Do your homework. I mean, there's so many great resources out there that that anyone can get information about. So much. Take a minute. Take take the time necessary just to to learn what you can about things. Absolutely, you're gonna laugh at me because you know the way I used to choose some cars. Of course, I love design and and the physical attributes, but take it home and wash it. And if I liked rubbing my hands over the body of that car, I probably was gonna enjoy it. Did you ever get arrested? Uh, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> would you share Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Question everything. I mean, you know, wonder why are we doing this? Why are we doing it this way? 
is there another way? I mean, it, it can get very irritating. Any of us that have raised children can only <laughs> take that question so many times. But yeah. but seriously, I mean, even uh, what, where you're working, you talk about time goes by over time. Is this where I want to be? Is this what I want to do? Um, is this the way I want to do it? You know, and that type of thing. Uh, there's certain things we can control and there's certain things we can't. But until you, you know, think about it, uh, I'd say, you know, that led to some successes that we had in the businesses I was involved in because we just did things differently than the way they were done at the time. Spectacular advice. Is there a resource, and I know there's a lot of them out there, but one in particular you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy? Motor Trend Audio. Of course. Wait, wait, second best podcast out there. Yeah. <laughs> it so, is It is a great resource, and we'll, yeah, we will, is, yeah. And, and uh, you know, again, the information I already mentioned on the Internet, you know, KBB, um, I can tell you, you know, we we uh, we got tired of people spelling. Or Kelly Blue Book was too too long, and and Kelly is spelled with an e y. That mm-hmm. we grabbed KBB also, and now it's it's funny for me that that that's how what people refer to it. And I'll go, you mean the Blue Book? And they go, what do you mean? I go, oh, never mind. <laughs> you know, I I have a hard time KBB. It just does not register to me because I'm old school. You know, I had the little blue the blue book in my glove box, so. I got to change that way of thinking. I got to get to the new world here. <laughs> Stay with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. But it, I, I'm sure you'd like the color. I'm sure you'd want a different one. I'm, I'm guessing. Red, um, red. Gee, I was going to go with. Yeah, I want a red book. So. <laughs> Charlie, would you share, speaking of books, great segue there. Would you share one book in particular you think our listeners would really enjoy reading? Uh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I couldn't answer that. And, and I thought about it. Uh, I read a lot of the industry books uh, when I first started in the career about Ford and, and some of the others. I really have a lot of fun with that now. Um, you know, um, uh, Bob Lutz came out with a couple books recently about our industry, even Dave Power. And uh, oh, my gosh, I'm also reading these books and I know these people. Yeah. And I know of them or I've met them or I've been with them. And, and, and it's a little bit crazy now. Um, my first event with J.D. Power was to to go to a dinner and sit with Martin Vinterkorn, the former head of Volkswagen, because he didn't like the way we, we were saying things about diesels. Mm. And you think about what's gone on in the industry now. Ooh, it, yeah. Isn't it right for me? So I know the questions about books. I just I really liked uh, some of the stuff uh, again. Just about our industry it was very informative to me. Give me some great background going up, and I and I, and I love reading about those now. Yeah, great. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these resources at carsyacom slash Charlie Vogelheim. And for those of you who don't know how to spell Charlie's last name, V-O-G-E-L-H-E-I-M. And there's a German for bird home. Bir- there you go. That's cool. <laughs> it's a lot more exciting than green. I'll tell you that. <laughs> What's that mean? Yeah, what the heck does that mean? Well, it has a lot of meanings these days, I guess. Okay. But uh, at any rate, there's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books. I know Charlie didn't recommend one in particular, but all the other guests who've been on the show have books listed there. With Crying out loud, then I better send you one or two. Yeah, give me one. Come on. Just got to be one I got to put on that list because if I put the word none next to your name, you're going to look really bad. <laughs> we'll make sure we get one listed there. Yeah, I'm I'm reading the the Devil's Teeth right now about the Farallon Islands off the, the uh, state of California, which is very interesting. Ah, but, uh, there you go. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, if you want to send me another one, I'll make sure I get it. I will do that on your own personal Cars Yeah show notes page. Cool. All right. You know, I'm going to ask you one question before we get to the checkered flag, and that is uh, interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars. What do you like to do on your off car time? 
Well, I'm a, I'm an avid cyclist, both uh, road and mountain. As I mentioned, you know, was, I got to spend some time on Mount Tam as a kid and grew up and, and got to ride bikes with uh, with guys like uh, Joe Breeze and, and Gary Fisher. Um, so um, certainly carry on that. It's just a fun, relaxing way to unwind. Uh, yeah. Still trying to stay somewhat active in aviation. Uh, it's become a very expensive sport. And uh, so I'll try and jump in a plane when I can just to stay current. Um, and then travel. I really love travel. And even, you know, this, this industry, you know, gives us that opportunity, um, you know, whether it's coming out to Detroit, as I will, in a couple of weeks for the North American International Auto Show, uh, get a chance to go to some of the other uh, world auto shows and things like that. But I always like to spend a little extra time in the area and just get a better feel for the area, the people that live there and, and, and uh, the goings on. So I love that. Absolutely. Great. All right, now we're up to the checkered flag here, Charlie, and this last question could be a real doozy. Who's ahead as I see the checkered flag? <laughs> yeah. No, you're in the lead. You're in the lead. Okay, Don't worry about okay. that. I'm following you here. You're the master, right? right. I'm, I'm just the grasshopper learning from the master here. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'm going to write that check. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Well, I got to say, so I, I look and get to see all these wonderful cars, whether I'm at a Cars and Coffee or at Pebble Beach or something like that. And I love to look at them. I love to see them. I've always liked things like a rumble seat, and, and I love uh, long-flowing French fenders. Um, but I got to tell you, there's this actual practical nature to me. Now, I'm not going to say minivan, so you don't have to get oh, excited. thank goodness. <laughs> but there's, it's got to be something. And I think about something small, uh, a convertible um, with a drop top. I, I love things like the old original Cinquecentos, uh, things like that. But I, I got to go, since since you're writing a check, I'm going to go with a, a, a 9 11 speedster oh um, like a early like a 58 speedster 56 even yeah oh, so yeah. okay what is it about the speedster that you love so much i just love the the simplicity of the lines you know the well-rounded i don't know if it's if it's the next gen or or a carmen gear done right or what it is <laughs> but it's just so beautiful and and you know i've seen the, the nice ones that have a little rack on the back and and, and that type of thing i think it's, it's small enough that you'd feel comfortable driving it around on the road and yeah, I know that they're, they're pricey, but they're not the, the, that of that expense that you wouldn't you wouldn't want to take it out for a drive. And that to me would be the, the worst thing to do is to to get a car that I wouldn't be feel comfortable. The one I'm you know I'm really shopping for. I've I've always been a huge fan of the Miatas, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just looking for the right one. And uh, and so well, to me, it's just that type of car, just a fun driving car. The Speedster has been on my bucket list forever, and unfortunately, they've become so expensive yeah. that it's just it's really frustrating. And and, and anchors me actually. I'm like, that's not fair. Yeah, but uh, beautiful car. What color would you like? Um, you know, the, the the red stands out, but I I, I don't mind a dark green one. Um, that's kind of the color I had of the Carmagia. Nice. Um, and to me, it's a it's a nice touring color. I know it's it's reminiscent of the British cars, but uh, to me, it's it's a great touring car color. Yeah, I love that. There's a color they make that that car was made in in the 50s called Stone Gray, which is kind of a beautiful greenish gray mauve. I don't know if I'm even describing it right, but just a wonderful color. Sounds like the, uh, an old Seahawks uniform. Well, not quite. <laughs> Go Hawks. I got to put that one in there. But, uh, wow. Well, awesome choice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome choice. Wonderful car. Uh, beautiful. I'm going to have a lot of fun shopping for you to find you one of those. I'll try to get it to you. Uh, well, we're recording this before Christmas. It goes live after. Uh, actually, you're the last guest of 2015, by the way, for our listeners out there. That's pretty cool, uh, for Charlie, but, um, 
Well, I, I'm sorry you said that because now people probably cancel all of their New Year's Eve plans. <laughs> That's okay. Dude, you know, they can they can stay around the fire and listen to you and I chit chatting about minivans. Well, I, I hope we got some listeners out there that enjoy it. It does come out early in the morning, so they can enjoy it before they go out and party for New Year's yeah. Eve this evening. But uh, Charlie, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew this would be fun, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with us. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset on that Hawaiian island in your Porsche <laughs> Speedster? I paint a nice picture, don't right. I? Off the top and rust away in a field somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, it, it does go by quickly. It's been a, it's been a great ride, and, and it's an, an amazing industry, and uh, there's so many aspects to it. And, and I think you're doing a great job, Mark, with all the wonderful interviews that you've done, and whether they're race car drivers or designers or people that work at the, these wonderful manufacturers making these innovative products and and again it's always changing there's things coming up it's all about uh, mobility it's about a lot of different things you bemoan the fact of teenagers not getting their license right away but again we just think about what was it why did we do it it was social media to us it was a way for us to see our friends to, to get some freedom and to whatever extent those all appeal to people it's it's wonderful and whether, again, it's the color of the car, the design and everything, it's just a wonderful industry. And there's, there's room for everyone. And uh, look forward to, uh, to continuing this ride for years to come. Well, thank you for your kind words. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you? Well, I, again, you can. Uh, there's uh, the Motor Trend Audio. I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to you know, pounce on me on, on any of the search engines, I'm sure that some picture uh, incriminating or not will show up but uh, <laughs> always welcome people to uh, to reach out and uh, i don't know if you even want me to give an email or, or a phone number well it's up to you if you'd like to share that go for it and we'll make sure it's listed on your show notes page charlie.vogelheim at gmail awesome great well listeners again you can find links to everything charlie's been so kind to share with us today at carsyad.com just put charlie in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up if you haven't listened to him go to his podcast listen to it check him out he, he's you can tell he's uh much more seasoned than i am i've learned a lot talking with you today charlie i think it's been great and I want to wish all the listeners out there a very happy new year. Thanks for hanging with me here in 2015 on Cars Yeah. I really appreciate it. Very grateful. Charlie, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your journey with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Hey, Mark, uh, thank you. It's, it's great to be a part of this. I'm a big fan of Cars Yeah, and I just admire your tenacity and your skill in, in getting all these great interviews together, uh, except for this one. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. Same to you, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!